we do joints particularly, not like other forms like cigarettes or anything like that. Because you've seen us use the hashtag normalize the joint. And I said in the podcast, we do joints because that's something that is communal, brings people together. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Welcome back, y'all. My name is Shada Tarabi, and I'm the host of To Be Blunt. And I'm excited to have Amos Lozano on the podcast today because Amos is a friend of mine out in San Antonio, Texas, and he's a trusted resource in this industry. He practices a plant-based and sustainable living lifestyle, and he's a huge advocate for the cannabis plant. Amos truly loves to educate the community on the uses and benefits of the industrial side of cannabis hemp, and he's the founder of MJ's Hemp, a brand pushing cannabis culture through hemp packaged pre-rolls. He opened Famous Juice Co. as one of the first juice bars in Texas to offer raw cannabis juice. And he also owns Reup Station, which is a plant-based, zero-waste grocery store concept. And, you know, Amos really is a master advocate of this plant. And he's clearly involved in so many different aspects of the industry. So I'm really grateful to have him share his thoughts with us on today's episode. So welcome to the show, Amos. So I'm Amos Lozano, a.k.a. Famous Amos, the Juiced Up Ninja. And I am the founder of MJ's Hemp, as well as Famous Juice Company. We do CBD pre-roll joints is what MJ's does, and we package them in either hemp paper packaging or hemp plastic packaging. And Famous Juice, we do raw cold-pressed juicing, and we recently started including raw hemp leaves. And I first kind of got into cannabis, or I guess passionate about it, about eight years ago in 2012, when I went on a kind of a self-discovery journey and uh, kind of just questioning my like habits and beliefs. And that meant questioning my cannabis use, which led me down researching how, why, and when cannabis became illegal and all the rumors surrounding it, both positive and negative. And then that led me to discovering industrial hemp and all of its uses. And it's a very deep history within America. And that's when I became very passionate about cannabis and more particularly hemp. There's so much more to that, though. So you're based in San Antonio, Texas. So shout out to Texas. We're both, I think, fighting that good fight in our state. And one of the areas to kind of bring up to, you know, hit a heavy hitter out of the park, you sell and market smokable hemp, as do I. And as of a couple weeks ago, by the time this airs, will be a couple weeks, you know, past. So hopefully we'll see some progress. But also I think we're dealing with this new law changing for the foreseeable future. I'd like to think that the law will evolve, but not anytime soon. So it's kind of a problem that we have to address. So I know you have a lot of thoughts around it. Why don't you kind of kick us off with something? Yeah, for sure. So obviously that's all we do. You know, we chose to specialize in CBD pre-rolls and flour more particularly pre-rolls, not so much flour, although we do sell it. But yeah, we chose to specialize in that because I like flour. Um, that's, you know, one thing. And a lot of people like flour. And at the time when we launched, 
there were very few people carrying flour in general, much less selling a pre-roll pack. So we were the first pre-roll pack, at least in the San Antonio area, locally made. Who knows, you know, if there's other ones around, but it just wasn't a big thing at the time. And then just for my, uh, I guess, studying of just business and branding, I knew that it was better to kind of stay focused on one area than to try to spread yourself too thin, trying to do everything. Luckily for me, because I had been thinking about getting into the cannabis business space for so long, I am a visionary, so I come up with a lot of ideas. And that's a pro and a con, you know, so it's a good thing because I've got a lot of really cool, innovative ideas, but it's a bad thing because you can only execute so many ideas, uh, especially at one time and at a high level. And so over the years, I decided, you know, there's so much I could do, like there's so much possible to do with the plant that it almost gets overwhelming. Like, where do I start? You know, that's where I ended up with this question to myself of, okay, I know I'm going to be in the cannabis space, but where am I going to start? That's the question. And wherever I do start, I want to stay focused. And so we did pre-rolls and now Texas is saying you can no longer market and sell smokable hemp flour, which is pretty crazy. I feel like us as Americans should have access to the entire plant. Obviously we're in a legal transition and we made a lot of progress, but especially the non-psychoactive part of the plant, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be able to use every single piece uh, and use of the non-psychoactive part of cannabis. It just doesn't make sense why we would not use it. So I think it's mostly like a political move, you know. Unfortunately, there's a few people in some positions of power that have really pushed this through because everybody wants smokable CBD flour. The businesses, the local businesses want it and they want to sell it. The consumers want it and they want to consume it. And even people that don't consume it, it doesn't make sense to them why other people who want to consume it wouldn't be able to go and buy it in Texas. So it doesn't make any sense from the, the local businesses, from the consumers in the community. So really, we're just battling this small group of people that are trying to protect this, I guess, reputation or whether it's their own reputation or the, the reputation of Texas. But... I was talking to Grace yesterday from Texas CBD blog and she was interviewing me for the Ministry of Hemp and uh, I was telling her I think that this is actually going to create more support and at this point in the ending of cannabis prohibition every time that they try to continue to oppress or suppress the plant it's only going to create more support at this point so in a way, I'm kind of happy about it. The other thing that I like to mention about the smokable hemp ban is obviously I don't like it and I don't support it. But the one thing I do like about it is it is steering businesses and Texas in a more industrial way, which is pretty cool. So I do like that about it. However, it should be all inclusive. Yeah. I mean, just to riff on that, it's so fascinating too. I'd be curious what your thoughts are between Austin and San Antonio. We're what, like an hour and a half apart. Let me break this down for everybody listening. Texas as a state just decided to ban smokable hemp. So statewide. So for example, I have customers coming into my shop and they're like, can I buy, you know, a pre-roll and I have to give them the spiel like you can't do this anymore. And then they kind of think in their mind, like, oh, I'm going to go to another store. And I'm like, no, nobody in Texas. It's not just my store. It's not just my decision. Nobody in Texas can sell this now. But then I think you have cities like Austin where we just decriminalized it even further. So you can now you know, quote me on this or don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure the DA said under four ounces of 
cannabis, whether it's marijuana or hemp, is, you know, allowed under the category of personal possession. And so you have like Austin where it's kind of decriminalized essentially to have weed, but then this ban on smokable hemp. And I just, I completely agree with you. It's a political thing. Somebody higher up is controlling this and it really is, you know, for lack of a better word, stupid and dumb and idiotic, but yet here we are kind of navigating it. And so it's just like one of those interesting things, I think, especially from Austin, where I have to tell people, if you have it on you, technically you're pretty cool because nobody's going to mess with you as long as it's under four ounces. However, nobody can legally sell you neither weed or hemp at this time in smokable form. And then the other slap on the wrist is like, I mean, you know, to kind of just be really blunt about it, you can sell loose bud for non-smokable tea and that's okay. And so now we're kind of edging into this we want to educate consumers. We want to make them feel more comfortable with what they're putting in their bodies. But now I have to mismarket something that, in my opinion, further confuses it. And so it's just like that really weird space that we're in is like, hey, we want to be educational and helpful to our community and our customers. But at the same time, I have to navigate these laws that are sometimes stupid. So Texas is whack. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it, it creates another gray area. That's what it's doing. That's the unfortunate thing because regulation, at least good regulation, is supposed to create clarity, you know, for the consumers, for the business owners. And it did in some ways create some clarity. But in this particular area, it created another gray area. And to your point about having to find these workaround marketing, you know, ways, um, fortunately, us in the cannabis space are used to this type of stuff already. <laughs> so we can... Uh, we have some good ideas on how to you know, find the loopholes, but I see this as more so an attack on the culture. Because if you really think about it, smokable forms are like a crucial part of cannabis culture. That's what people think about first when they think about cannabis and marijuana. That's really what they think about is the smokable form. And that's a big part of the culture. You know, That's why we do joints particularly, not like other forms like cigarettes or anything like that because you've seen us use the hashtag like normalize the joint and I said in the podcast we do joints because that's something that is communal it brings it brings people together uh, it's something you you know step outside and go smoke a joint together you pass it around the group you talk with your friends you connect with them but I feel like they're trying to continue to oppress that culture which is more closely associated with the higher THC you know part of the plant the screwed up part about that is like they're damaging the culture they're almost like punishing us before we've done anything is almost what it feels like it's like you're thinking about using thcs in the smokable form because you're using cbd in the smokable form so let's just try to end that but it's just silly you know but i just see it as a continual oppression of the culture and that's that's something that i try to push is like especially us as business owners don't shy away from the cannabis culture. There are some things we may need to tweak and rebrand a little bit to make it a little cleaner, but at the same time, there are some things that should be maintained in the cannabis culture because society just needs to start accepting our culture instead of us changing and conforming to society. They need to accept that we are cannabis users and we're going to use cannabis and they're gonna see people smoking joints and we're not gonna hurt anybody and uh, it shouldn't be a problem. So that's kind of something that I really try to like push is like that cannabis culture and maintaining kind of cool parts about it. 
just normalizing it. Right. And so I think you have done a good job and it's something that I personally champion too, is just like, how do you re educate and normalize what someone views as a cannabis consumer while not neglecting that culture, but also bringing it into the light. And I think there's just going to always be this struggle. It's always going to be seen as this THC heavy plant. And there's a particular picture and image of who a cannabis consumer is, but I do think that it's exciting to see it be brought into the light, but then there's also the concern of it going mainstream and losing some of that edge. And so it's just this constant kind of, you want to have access to the plant and you want to educate and you want to just have acceptance, I think is the ultimate kind of punctuation for me with cannabis. And, you know, you're going to lose some of that culture along the way as you bring it into the light. But I think ultimately it's also bringing more, more appreciation for more of the plant. So maybe you can relate to this as somebody who grew up smoking pot. I just knew that THC was in it. You know, I didn't know that I had even an endocannabinoid system. I had no idea what the fuck CBD was, let alone CBG, CBN, Delta 8 now is coming to market. And it was really through my accident, which obviously I talk about in a lot of different content that exposed me to looking at cannabis from a different light. And so I think that's been a really fun aspect of exposing cannabis through CBD. So kind of to relate back to what you're saying, I think the regulations are stepping us in a right direction to give us more access to fully understanding the plant. It sounds and looks sometimes like it's frustrating, especially if you're in the industry, but I do believe that ultimately it's opening up the dialogue for us to just have better awareness over what are the other cannabinoids and terpenes and all these great aspects of the cannabis plant. So it's just getting people comfortable and used to that kind of shift. For sure. Yeah. HB 1325, it did a lot of good. It's one of those um, two steps forward, one step back type of thing, but we still made progress. Yeah. I think on that too, something that I've kind of observed is it's taken me a couple of weeks, I think, to get to this point, but I feel pretty comfortable saying it out loud. While it sucks that they banned smokable hemp, I respect why they banned it because if you look at where you can purchase cannabis right now, let's forget on a national level, but just on a Texas level, you can get it in gas stations, you can get it in doctor's offices, you can get it in smoke shops. And unfortunately, the reality is the majority of businesses don't care to the extent that you and I care about the quality of product that we're putting in front of consumers, especially on a smokable front. I mean, I know that you and I know who we're sourcing from. We know the quality of our buds. I don't know if the people who are selling cannabis in smoke shops or vape shops really know what they're selling or have that same connection to their suppliers. And so I think that's an interesting piece that consumers don't really see, but in an industry situation, I'm like, this sucks. I do have to get creative right now, but I think it's ultimately so we can have better awareness and education around this plant, which is so needed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what regulation is. It particularly is good for the consumers because now they have a clean, regulated, tested legal product. And it sucks that those of us like you and I that actually do care about the quality and where it's coming from, we have to get penalized as well or like be uh, restricted when really just a good regulation could probably weed out those types of businesses anyways while still giving us the opportunity to do what we do. But all in all, it is definitely going to weed out a lot of those 
types of businesses because they're just not going to want to do the marketing workarounds. A lot of them are probably not even going to want to apply for retail licensing and go through that whole process. So I, I see a lot of those people that are not necessarily in it because they're from the cannabis space or they're about industry. They're just selling it for money. I think we're going to see a lot of them kind of fall off because they're not going to jump through the hoops of regulation. So it's going to kind of thin out some of the industry. And uh, it's it's been interesting to watch it evolve over the past year in Texas. I feel like in San Antonio, particularly the retail side, like exploded last year. And now it's pretty slow, especially with COVID going on and competition now. And so I think we may see a shift away from like the only CBD shops. Like I think only the people that are doing it really well and really focused on branding like yourself are really going to make it as a CBD dispensary only. Because all the ones in San Antonio that that are CBD only and then didn't focus on like branding and building their reputation, they're struggling right now. And even there's four or five of our wholesale accounts who are permanently shut down already. So we're definitely going through like a dip in the industry. In one way is a bad thing, but another way is a good thing because it's going to weed out those people that aren't really passionate about the plant. They don't really care. They're really just about the money. Yeah, that's super wild. You bring up that because I think Austin market, we've noticed something similar and I appreciate the, you know, kudos because I think that that is really what has helped differentiate us is one being very passionate about the plant, but also focusing on a brand because at the end of the day, it's really a commodity. I mean, CBD is CBD, as we like to say at Restart. And as long as you find a high quality supplier, it's really going to function the same. You know this, there's not a different CBD for anxiety or pain. Now maybe terpenes can, you know, enhance certain effects to be more prominent, but it really comes down to, I mean, especially when you're looking at CBD oil as a functioning product. I mean, I envision maybe one day in the future, we're going to be able to get specific to maybe a particular strain of oil, but I just don't really see those products in the market right now. And so I think something that you talked about in your episode that you did last on your podcast, which promote that podcast, because it's also excellent, is just the hyper excitement around CBD oil and how there's so many other uses for hemp, but for some reason, that was very exciting of a time, I would say a year ago. And now you're kind of seeing the wash of that kind of happen where it's COVID, Texas's laws are changing, CBD is getting super saturated. And so I don't know, what are some of the other ways that you've discovered hemp to be useful? I know you use it in your packaging. You obviously opened a hemp focused juice shop, but I don't know if there's other things that you're like, this is the future of hemp. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is hemp building building with hempcrete. That's another company I'd like to start one day is building tiny eco-friendly hemp houses. That could be really major to just the whole housing market and the whole building market. Packaging, expanding upon packaging. You know, right now we have our five packs with our brand, but there's only one company in the United States that, that makes these hemp paper packaging and they're on Eugene, Oregon. They're named Hemp Press. Shout out to Hemp Press because they're super awesome, super passionate about cannabis hemp paper. But we need more options. We need to be able to package, you know, like Amazon packages and it just needs to be more widespread and particularly the, the plastic packaging as well has a lot of potential, especially because in the cannabis space, the recreational medical side, especially there's a whole lot of packaging using that. And a lot of it is dictated by regulation. They're forced to package this way. They don't necessarily want to, but if they could find more eco-friendly or sustainable solutions using the plant and further supporting the plant, 
that's what the solution is. Because ultimately, what this is all about is how do we further support the hemp farmer? Because the farmer is everything, right? The farmer is where it, everything comes from. And that's the connection between us on our end, the business owners, and then the consumers to the earth and the land. The farmer is our connection to that. And if we can give this farmer more ways to make a profit as opposed to only growing for CBD or only growing for paper, but if he can have what they call dual cropping, if he can dual crop or even tri crop where he can produce three raw materials from this one crop, now he has three sources of income from three separate raw materials. And ultimately, if the farmer is healthy from an economical like standpoint, then our economy and the industry is going to be healthy. And so that's what I'm always trying to push is the, the other parts of the plant, especially because they're different, you know, when it comes to like harvesting hemp plants for seeds, for like seed oil or for fiber, for animal bedding, which also the same like fiber can be used for hempcrete or fiber for paper. All of these things, they're a little less, uh, what's the word, like they're a little less likely to go bad or to mold or they're just not so uh, delicate as like buds and flower. There's more longevity. For sure. For sure. You know, you could, I don't know, keep a 40 gallon tote of hemp seeds for, I don't know how long, you know, it's just, it's a dry grain at that point. That's very much easier to handle and transport than like buds that need the right humidity and need the right temperature to maintain their freshness. And so there's a lot of things that, we can start using the plant more for but what i recognize is it starts with us educating the consumer because if we are going to get the farmer to start growing more fiber for paper then that means he needs to have somebody to sell that fiber to that creates paper and if somebody's creating paper that means they need to have somebody who's buying paper and if in order for people to buy hemp paper they need to know that it exists in the first place and then if they know they exist they need to know that it's better than tree paper and why it's better and so then it's just education and so that's what i've been really focusing on is making people aware that there is hemp clothing that there is hemp shoes there is hemp business cards there's hemp dube tubes and it's not just theoretical it's actually here like we are actually doing it because uh, I think a lot of people, when they think about the industrial side of the plant, they may have heard rumors that you can have paper and clothing and biofuel and all these things, but they think it's theoretical. I was in that boat for a long time. And because that was true, you know, back in 2012 and 2013 in America, it was theoretical. Nobody was doing hemp paper or hemp plastic, but now it's not. It's reality. We're doing it. Now we just need to grow it and support it. And that's why our packaging costs, you know, 10, 20 times more than regular packaging, but we invest into it because we want to support those industries. And there's just a lot more impact that paper, plastic, apparel, building materials will have on our economy and on our environment. Ultimately, I feel like looking at CBD and THC is like looking at the industry through a keyhole. And everybody's trying to like jump through this keyhole and it's like, hey guys, there's this giant door over here called the industrial side. Yeah, everybody can fit in here and there's lots of money to be made. <laughs> Where do I even begin to like unpack that? I have so many thoughts and opinions. One, like hell yeah, of course. I think to kind of back up to where where cannabis really became, you know, this devil's plant, I think 
really stems from when these industries, cotton, plastic, timber, hemp, were beginning. And you see the political nature of how things kind of sorted out. Obviously, timber and paper and wood and cotton, like those became dominant industries for everything you're saying, clothing, plastics, packaging, building houses. And when you start to look at the history of hemp, you're like, wait a minute, hemp can do all these things too. And you can grow more of it per square foot and it uses less water. And you're like, wait, how did we, what's going on? Why is this? Why don't we have it? Like, why the hell don't we have it? And then you now have this present day where to kind of tie back in Texas, I just read an article Texas Monthly put out yesterday, and it was talking about the Texas hemp farmer. And just to riff on your analogy, everybody saw an opportunity with hemp, all these farmers. And like you're saying, you want to invest in the farmer first because they're the ones who are going to be growing the crop, obviously, and it's going to extend out from there. So you have to get them excited, make it profitable for them to sustain. And you see a lot of farmers who maybe were really good at growing other crops, but one, you have Texas's geography and climate, and it's not super sexy for the cannabis plant to succeed. Two, it is a very finicky plant on top of that. So even if the, you know, the ground or the watering isn't right or the environment isn't right, if you don't really know how to control the plant, that could be a problem. And I think given how expensive it is to grow hemp and how many licenses we saw the state issue out, this article quoted this one guy, he lost six figures trying to grow hemp. And then compared to that, you have all these people who are growing it. Well, they're growing it to be extracted to maybe be turned into oils, right? Well, there was all these people growing it, but then there was a gap in actually processing and extracting it. And so it's almost kind of becomes a chicken and the egg. And then another aspect or chunk of that is you had all these farmers growing it potentially for smokables. And then now there's no smokable market, or maybe there's a smokable market, but who are the consumers that they're selling to? Like, there's just not a really structured marketplace right now. And so I think you have this plant kind of in the spotlight and everybody's like, ooh, what's happening with cannabis? Meanwhile, the industry is literally crawling. Like we have not begun to walk yet. We're still on our hands and knees, but there's so much attention on us too. Like people don't realize when they come into the store, And again, for people listening, Texas is in the process of regulating presently. They just opened up licenses. It's becoming a regulated industry. But really prior to August, you could do anything. And consumers, I just don't think realized that. They were like, oh, like, so how do you get a permit? And I'm like, there wasn't one. You just could do it. And so it's like, how do you trying to like educate people and hype them up and also look at what is the opportunity. But then if I'm a farmer, do I know a lot about this plan? Who do I learn from? And so I just think we have a lot of moving pieces that you, in my opinion, do a good job kind of cutting through the noise and just helping highlight in different aspects where you can. But it really is this uphill battle that I think we both take on very proudly, but just to not, you know, discredit Everything I said is the very real truth of what it's like to be doing hemp in Texas right now. For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, we are piecing together an industry from scratch. We're part of the beginnings of it. And, you know, we've had a couple of CBD panels together. And I've mentioned on a couple of those panels, like all this red tape, all the gray areas, all the frustrations in a way is expected because we're operating in an industry that was previously illegal 
and we're in transition out of uh, legality and we're forming an industry from scratch um, and a highly regulated industry at that. And so it makes sense that there are all these, you know, bad laws, good laws, questions, uh, uncertainty, and that there is these gray areas. So it's unfortunate, but I think the good thing about Texas being the way Texas is a little slow towards these progressive things is we can learn from places like Colorado and California that have been doing it for so long. And that's a big reason why I come out to go and visit rec states. It's just to go and see like, you know, what's trending there, what's successful there, what's not successful there, what are their problems, how are they different in every state because every state is different. Even every county is different. And that's what's really interesting. And even places in Colorado, like where I'm at now, where the market is mature, you know, arguably the most mature, they're still having their pain points and their issues and they're having more mature problems. They're having problems that maybe weren't a problem the first couple of years, but now it's a problem. The market's extremely saturated, creating a lot of competition. They have a whole separate set of problems now. And we kind of get a little peek into the future of like, okay, this is probably at least the uh, similar direction that Texas will go as well as other states as we transition into legality. Um, but that's really what I like to do is go to all the dispensaries and check out the products and check out how they market and check out how they brand. And I ask them questions about, you know, how I got started. And I always ask a lot of questions for me. It's, it's market research when I come out here. Yeah. I think you and I share the very same sentiment about our love for Colorado and just the curiosity for the plant. And I think that's something for people to kind of pick up to, as a marketer, as somebody who wants to be in this space, I don't think there is a very clear cut path forward and it really is ambiguous. And that's a blessing to be creative and to really push the boundaries of what you want to see or what you can dream of. And so I think there's a really sweet spot between both, you know, the consumer side of cannabis and the functionality of like marijuana and also this really exciting opportunity with industrial hemp that I believe really stems from states like Texas who didn't have a rec market or even a really true medicinal market. And so you have people who are curious and they're trying to understand, you know, what are these different cannabinoids and how could they work in my body? And obviously that's how, you know, kind of, we got invited into the CBD discussion is just that curiosity of, Hey, well, I can't have access to this other plant in my home state. Well, what, what does cannabis look like in Texas? And so I really do stand behind the excitement of all of this because we're like just scratching the surface. There's so much to learn. And like you said, going to these legal rec states and paying attention to what they're saying, what they're doing and kind of picking up some cues. I mean, there's just so many new different types of products hitting the space, even in that category. I know I was at a show a couple months ago. This is before COVID now happened. It was like the last show I went to. And I know that this technology is kind of like weird. So I'm just kind of bringing it up to see what you th your thoughts are. But it was like a CBD mattress. And so it was made out of hemp. I don't know if the functionality so much was like, oh, you're laying on it. You're going to feel, you know, the powers of CBD. I think that's still a little bit like, you know, got to have a sniff test or something. But the sustainability part where it's being made more out of hemp fiber and things like that is something that you don't see a lot of, and I would like to see more happen. And so I don't know, what's the craziest 
hemp or cannabis product that you've come across that most people might not realize the plant is used for that? Yeah. So there's this guy, I forget his name, but he runs a design company called PF Designs. And uh, he had probably my favorite like hemp booth setup I've seen. So he's all into hemp textiles and hemp polymers. And so basically plastics. But when I say textiles, from his point of view, from what he does, it's not so much like apparel textiles. It's more so like very rigid, like cardboards, almost like fiber boards. And so some really, really cool products he had on display there was like a snowboard made out of hemp. And he had a longboard made out of hemp and a surfboard made out of hemp. And he even had, this one was um, like a prototype, but he had a bicycle frame completely 3D printed out of hemp. And so that was like, just cool to see like, whoa, this is a possibility. Like somebody could continue to develop this and have an entire bike frame made out of hemp. Those are some of the coolest things I've seen. And those are the types of things that excite me because that's like kind of out of the box. And then it just opens up your mind. And that's what I like to do for the customers, like with our dude tubes, for instance, that are made out of hemp plastic, like showing them those tubes and like, hey, this is hemp plastic. Now it opens up your mind. Well, like if hemp can do this, then why can't it make pins or why can't it make you know, whatever else is like a high use plastic, why can't I replace that if they can make this, you know, starts to open up people's minds to it. That's some of the coolest things I've seen. I think I talked about the hemp battery on my podcast. I talked about that. And that was something that like completely like blew me out of the water. I had no idea that that was even a thing, but basically they've found a way to make graphene from hemp which normally they get it from just like some carbon source. It's really expensive to produce this graphene, which is why most people have never heard of a supercapacitor before, which is a very efficient battery. The market hasn't been able to take off because it's way too expensive. But now they discovered they can make it from hemp, which cuts the cost significantly. Like the costs were ridiculous, the difference. Like I don't even remember. It was like over 800% cheaper. It was like a crazy amount. And uh, so that's something that's really cool. Hemp batteries can be used for like scooters and motorcycles. And I'm sure they could scale them up potentially and help them power even like houses and stuff like that. There's just so much. Like it never ends. Like I'm, I'm continually fascinated and like blown away by the plant. Like it's like every week I learn more about it, even though I've been studying it for almost a decade now there's still so much more. And that's not even talking about the terpenes and the other cannabinoids. And like you mentioned, Delta 8, I tried some Delta 8. That was very, very interesting. <laughs> Delta 8 is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole nother, you know, can of worms to be opened up. But I do agree with you. The whole excitement about cannabis in general is super awesome to see. Because of it, there's been like tremendous progress forward both in like the acceptance of it and the way law enforcement is is treating it and the overall stigma there still is a stigma but it is significantly less than it was just a few years ago Um, like you know I wear this around and I wear many cannabis like you know shirts and our our own shirts and designs I wear them almost daily because it's been a goal of mine to wear hemp like daily and that goal is like finally fulfilling where like my shoes and my pants and my underwear and my shirt and everything is like hemp and then it has a hemp design and I feel like a few years ago I was a little more self-conscious to wear things like that because I would get judged and I, I would get I could visually see people making faces and stuff like that now not so much 
mostly I get like, Hey dude, I like your shirt or like, like I like your hoodie or like I get a lot of compliments, you know, but I feel like that's what it's about. You know, um, I have long hair. I, I dress this way. And, uh, oftentimes my girlfriend's like, Hey, when you go and speak, you should wear like a suit or you should wear it. Like you should dress up. And I'm like, first of all, the only way I'm gonna wear a suit is if it's a hemp suit, which I got one coming soon. And second, I don't want to change my identity to try to fit what people want to accept. Like I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a business owner and I'm a cannabis consumer and this is what that looks like. And I don't want to have to like cut my hair and like shave my face and get all nice and like this clean cut business man because that's not who I am necessarily. I'm a cannapreneur and this is what a cannapreneur looks like. And I don't want to change my identity and my culture to try to fit. quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. Real quick, let me tell you a story about this trip specifically. So my girlfriend's mom is a doctor and she's not so pro-cannabis. She's kind of okay with some of the medical uses, but she's kind of in that camp of like, you have to have like some serious medical problem and then go to a doctor and the doctor needs to like prescribe it. And then you have to be in a legal state. So coming on this trip, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be going to the shops and I'm going to be smoking. And like really her only quarrel has been that it's illegal in Texas, right? And so like it's not illegal here and I'm not going to change my behavior in a legal state. Like I drink a beer in front of her and there's no problem. I should be able to smoke a joint in front of her and it shouldn't be a problem either. And so I've had to kind of navigate that, right? Because she told my girlfriend, her mom told her like, hey, I don't want the trip to be all about you know, marijuana and going to see the marijuana shops and talking about the strains and talking about how cool it was and marijuana is so great and can do this and that. And I'm like, so you're telling me don't be me because that's exactly what I do when I go to recreational states. Like that's all, like that's the focus of my trip because that's who I am and that's what I do. That's my business. And I'm trying to learn and analyze and it's exciting. That's what I mean, right? Is like that culture. So what I've done here is like try to, without being rude, trying to like show her like look i use cannabis and we've been together five years so it's not a secret you know i'm pretty open about it and that's the other thing is like it's not like she doesn't know this is very clear so this is one of the first trips where i did consume in front of her from a distance you know because some people don't like the smell but i am you know high on marijuana in front of her and it's one of the few times that i actually do that because most of the time in texas i don't do that in front of her but here we can do that. It's recreational. You know, it's like, if I feel like that's what I want to do and that's what I'm going to do. And so she's been able to see like, oh, okay, like he's using it, but like, he's still like, there's eight of us here and we are teaching them how to do backflips. Me and my girlfriend are both gymnastics coaches or she's a gymnastic coach. I used to be. And uh, we were teaching them backflips. We were doing flips ourselves or playing soccer. I'm doing phone interviews. Like I'm doing things and I'm like smoking every day. And she's seeing that. So she's seeing what a functioning cannabis user looks like, and it's helping to slowly break down that stigma. But it's been interesting because in coming over here and knowing that 
her mom didn't want that, we had to have this conversation of like, hey, like this makes me feel oppressed. You know what I mean? Like it makes me feel like I have to hide a part of me or I have to feel bad about the way that I want to visit Colorado. And I don't want to feel that way. And I'm not going to feel that way. I'm going to decide not to feel that way. And I'm just going to be me. And if there's any issues, then I guess we'll have to talk about it. But so far, it hasn't been much of a problem. It's an interesting dynamic traveling with somebody who isn't so pro-cannabis and you know, almost wants you to hide and wants you to kind of like do it in the corner. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't feel that I need to go to the ditch down the street and go hide away. You know, like I shouldn't have to, and I don't. So it's interesting navigating that. No, I love that little story because I think it's a very clear picture for people listening of who I know you to be. You're very intelligent and very knowledgeable and passionate about the plant. And it shows in how you communicate both through your social channels, as well as how you carry yourself. It's like every time I'm on a panel with you, I, I, I love it because I learn from you. Like, I hope you know that. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It's really a joy to be able to build cannabis in Texas alongside someone like you who really gives a shit and cares about what they're doing. And then I relate so much to it being so much a part of you and such a joy in your life to learn more about it, that you want to be a proud beacon of what a cannabis consumer looks like. And I, I just, I relate to that because I think I have a very open relationship with my parents. I mean, they know my CBD business exists and have known about my cannabis consumption over the years. And I've never felt like I've had to hide it from my parents, but obviously public facing consumers. I used to work a corporate tech job. How could I come out and say, CBD is really what helped me heal and manage my pain. I mean, that was like crazy talk five years ago. And I realized that everybody, you know, listening, hopefully can gather this. We are all called to different paths. We can all be pro-cannabis and pro-legalization and pro-reformation, but what that looks like in our lives will probably vary. And it sounds like from your perspective and my point too, we have decided that we want to be this public about the plant. And that's something that we bear, but I think it's really my duty in life is to help kind of come forward and help show you can be high functioning. You can really care and learn and understand and want to truly help people understand and educate themselves on this plant. And like you said, if you can have a beer in front of somebody, why can't you have a joint in front of somebody? And so that is something that I love to promote and talk about. And I think that's, you know, the output of this podcast. Like every time I get on, I'm like, low key, I love marijuana, even, you know, especially in legal states, but like, obviously I'm from Texas. Like, it's just something that I've, you know, dealt with my whole life. And I think it just, it takes more people to hear and see people like yourself doing it. So I know there's going to be people listening to this podcast who are like, oh my gosh, how can this manifest in my life? Like whether it's making smarter decisions on maybe hemp forward or sustainable clothing choices, or like you said, business cards or plastics in their business. I know for us, we're trying to look into figuring out a better source of paper because we do produce a lot of marketing materials on paper to kind of caveat that there are not enough people processing and making those products. So I hope that we can continue to see those side industries and in cannabis continue to thrive, but it really is just like, Hey, how can I take what Amos and Shada are doing and saying and put out and like be slightly, you know, or maybe majorly inspired. And like, what does that look like in my own life? And so I really think that we 
embody that on a day-to-day basis, but it is really taking the time to sit down and just kind of understand it's a choice and it's an uncomfortable choice sometimes, but it's a choice that, you know, it sounds like you happily make because you love it and you want people to love it as much as you do. And it doesn't mean they have to like it or maybe use it, but to accept it. It's like, I don't drink a ton of alcohol, but I, I accept and respect people who love going to brewery tours or going on wine adventures or, you know, the whole association of like a mom having a glass of red wine at the end of the day. Like I want to normalize going on hemp tours. I want to normalize going to different dispensaries in different legal States. Like one of my favorite things is trying different products. Like you said, state to state varies. And so I remember going to Washington and noticed they were selling, just a quick story, you know, they were selling cannabis um, infused edibles, but it was like the whole bag was a serving of like 10 or 15 milligrams versus you don't see those products in Colorado. They're more, this piece of chocolate is 10 milligrams. And then the whole bar might be a hundred, but most people are not eating the whole bar. They're eating the individual pieces. And so just having that awareness and observation really has just come because I want to go hang out in these legal states and check these products out and learn myself and share with my friends and try it and see what works. And it's just, it's, it's fun for me. And so I think that's where I really resonate with your story is just, you know, we're obviously two very different people come from very different backgrounds, but then at the same time have a lot of similarities and passions and just growing up in Texas and like, how do we be good stewards of this plant in our home state? So I love what you're doing and I hope people are getting a kick out of getting to know you more. Yeah. Thank you. And I wanted to give you some props because it takes courage. You know, it takes courage to be open about your cannabis use and uh, your lifestyle. And I've seen you get more open about that, you know, since I've known you and that's what it takes. And that's what's super awesome, but it's a vulnerable thing. You know, we're being vulnerable, we're being open to judgment, we're being open to even, you know, criminal offenses in some cases. So it takes a lot of courage. But for me, I've just always been that type of person to like, I'll be that guy. Like if if somebody needs to get arrested, then I'll be that guy. (laughs) And I'm not, I think ultimately we were talking about this earlier on a trip with my girlfriend's sister. And I told her, it's like, I'm just not afraid to get arrested. I'm not afraid to get arrested for what I believe in that's the thing, right? It's like one of the things my girlfriend's mom has said is like, well, I don't know why you would risk your freedom for this. You know, it's illegal in Texas. I don't know why. And I, my response to that is let's take civil rights as an example, which for me, cannabis act, cannabis rights is a civil rights issue, but let's take the civil rights movement in the sixties and seventies. People of color broke the law doing sit-ins, doing different things to peacefully protest the laws, right? That was illegal and they risked their freedom for what they believed in. And I feel it's no different. We are risking our freedom in Texas by being open about our use. But at the same time, that's what's helping change the views of it. That's what's helping bring in the culture. And so it takes courage to do that, but somebody's got to do it. And it's all about, like you mentioned, acceptance. They don't have to be for it. They don't have to use it, but they do need to accept that other people like us are going to use it. And I like what you touched on where you said like, we're very different, but at the same time we do share this. And that's the other thing I love about the plant is you can be polar opposite to somebody, but if you both consume cannabis, that one thing can be just all you need to like connect and open up and see where else you might be able to connect. But that's really all you need is the one plant can connect you to somebody who's entirely different than you. And that's happened to me many, many times where I've connected with people I would have never otherwise connected with, but cannabis brought us together. 
And it's just about acceptance, you know, that people have different lifestyle choices. You mentioned drinking. We're accepting of people who drink. My girlfriend's mom doesn't drink either. She's never drank ever her entire life. But yet, when people drink around her, it's no problem. But when, when I bring the cannabis around, it's like she makes some faces, like we're getting there. But she still has, you know, it smells like, can you move that somewhere else? Like, and it's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can, you know, honor your space. I can do that the best I can. But it reminded me of like being plant-based, right? Being accepting of people that aren't plant-based and then vice versa, people who aren't plant-based, accepting of people who are plant-based just because you choose not to do it doesn't mean I can't accept you as a person or hang out with you. And it's the similar thing. We're just talking about, like you said, choices, lifestyle choices. We should be accepting of people's lifestyle choices, whether we want that choice for us or not. And that's really what it's about. Preacher from the mountains, please. It is a plant, a plant. Like it just blows my mind that I have to, again, I proudly and confidently choose this life every day. I welcome it. I welcome the challenges, but like, I look forward to the day where, especially extra, especially in Texas, I get to enjoy the benefits of maybe even being able to grow my own plants for personal use to be able to see not only dispensaries, but like public consumption areas. I just think It's such a harmless plant when you really look at the science of it. And sure, some people don't want to be high, just like some people don't enjoy being drunk. But when you look at it compared to everything else that is, you know, legal and kind of in a weird category, it's like, oh, you can give me a prescription for drugs because I'm in pain as a pregnant woman, let's say, but if the pregnant woman wants to use cannabis, well, we don't know what that's going to do. You know, I think it's just, it's, it's one, there is a lot of research that still needs to be done. And so I think the legalization allows us to further that research, to further cement how harmless this plant is. But when you look at it in comparison to other things that are legal, it's just like, you know what, we should just let's all just agree to disagree on some things and tolerate and just be open-minded. And I agree with you. I think it's changing. It's happening. And I think it takes people like yourself to step forward and break that barrier. And I'm a really big believer in like one-to-one marketing. I know a lot of marketers out there are like, Oh, but how do you reach the masses? You know, and all those things. That's great. And I believe that that will come. And if you have a good brand, both business or personal brand, that is going to come. But for me, it's always making sure whether it's a friend, a parent, a significant other, a customer, how do I make you feel more comfortable, more knowledgeable, uh, less threatened around this plant? Like what are your stigmas around it? And how do we talk about those in a healthy way? And being able to see people's minds shift, whether it's in that instance or it's, you know, after they maybe try some CBD, like especially for me in a retail setting, I do have customers who come in and they're like, I don't know what this is going to do to me. What's going to happen, Shada? And I'm like, it's okay. Like, just put the edible in your mouth, suck on it for, you know, 10 to 15 seconds. Like, you'll be fine. It's okay. And then they come back and they're like, whoa, that was incredible. Whatever their, you know, feeling was. And it's just like, I, I know the power of it. I'm excited when other people know the power of it, but ultimately realizing it is the power of the one-to-one. You're going to go out and be a voter. 
you know, so-and-so is going to go out and be a voter. Like, how do you empower that person to make the smartest decisions for themselves and for the people that they love? And I just think if more people knew about the benefits of this plant and not just the, oh, I get stoned in my parents' basement kind of culture around it, they would really be more understanding and more excited about the future of it. So it's all good goodness coming. So I'm going to wrap this interview up. You've been a treat. I'm also so jealous you're in Colorado right now. It's literally my favorite place to be for more than one reason. One day we'll have to make a trip out together. Oh my gosh, let's do it. And we'll raise our Texas flag loud and proud and get all state of Colorado and enjoy some legal cannabis. (laughs) But my favorite question to wrap up is to ask, you know, is there a brand, whether it's a dispensary, a product, it can be hemp, CBD, THC based that you think is just killing it in the marketing game and kind of why? I'm going to mention Sana Packaging. They do hemp plastic packaging. I really like the way that they market and the way that they paint their brand, you know, being very eco-friendly and sustainable. They also have a line of beach plastic packaging and they tailor it towards all their packaging is for the cannabis industry. You know, their dupe tubes and their like cartridge containers, I guess, but it's all either beach plastic or hemp plastic. And uh, I've been buying from them and following them pretty much since they launched a couple years ago. And I really like what they've been doing in the space as well as just like helping cannabis brands go in a more sustainable direction, particularly on the recreational medical side. So shout out to Sauna Packaging. And then I'll have to mention real quick, High Country Healing, the dispensary that I just made a post about. Like, It wasn't too much different than any other dispensary I've been from with the exception of some small things. And those small things make a big difference. In the lobby, they had this beautiful glass wall that went into a flowering room and it was just like a beautiful display. And it was like really cool to be like shopping for t-shirts and turn your head and like see this mature cannabis plant flowering right next to you. And then the bud tender was just like such a cool dude. He was super friendly. He was like making cool jokes while at the same time, very educational, giving us recommendations on like where to go. Uh, He gave me some insight into like their pre-roll segment here because I mentioned to him that I do, I do pre-rolls and they were offering um, quarter gram joints, the little shorty joints, which I've maybe seen here and there, but they had like a pretty extensive selection of quarter gram joints. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I asked him, how do those sell? And he said, hands down, the quarter gram joints sell the best because most people they're consuming by themselves in a full joint. Like it's just too much. You don't need that much. So he said, hands down the quarter gram joints. He's like, take that back to Texas. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So shout out to High Country Healing. They have two locations, one in the Eagle Vale area and one in Dillon. Awesome. I personally know that it is already on my map for Colorado and I plan on enjoying some quarter gram joints myself. I do. I love, like you said, it's the personal experience of being able to consume something smokable. So I love that they have that. I'll be a customer for sure. Awesome. Thank you again for being on the show. Let us know how we can find you online and we'll sign out. Yeah, for sure. So my personal Instagram account is at eat plants move often. You can find our CBD pre-rolls on our Instagram account at MJ's hemp. And you can find my juice company on Instagram at famousjuice.co. 
Woo! I am so fired up talking to Amos. Man, every time. He's just a clear advocate for this plan and it comes through in how he communicates and lives his life. So yeah, every time we talk, it's just always so fun and we always get into it and, you know, grateful we had an opportunity to have this conversation to share with you guys this time. So I hope you're inspired and you can help us normalize the joint. I think it's really important to really think of ways that you yourself can be an advocate, whether it's through your brand or in your own personal day-to-day circle of influence. So think about that. Think about ways that you yourself can start to make an impact. And as always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, heading to iTunes and leaving a review would mean so much and probably help someone else discover this podcast. So I'm going to read one of the recent ones I got as a thank you. So Girl Power 246 said, Shada and her guests are clearly very knowledgeable about cannabis and I enjoy listening to them talk about their experiences in this rapidly evolving industry. Marketing is a key aspect and learning about how they navigate this market is very interesting. Wow. Thank you so much again, Girl Power 246. This is a labor of love, and I really love hearing how this show is helping you all. So please reach out. Let me know if I can help with anything specific. And until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at the Shada Tarabi.